We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finish 13 and 3, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. This don't have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man go dominate. Boys, offense, defense, special teams. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Hey, 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 welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is our Thursday edition of the show, our two-part Seattle Seahawks preview. Yesterday we had Jim Everett on the show with Tommy asking away, firing away questions. And today, we're going to shake you up a little bit, making his long return. It's been eons since he's been here. That's right. Magic Johnny. Johnny Gomez. Johnny, how you doing, bud? 
It feels good to be back, man. Happy to be back. It's been a long time. You've been over there taking up all your stuff, all taking all your, your talents to butting heads. You're gone now. <laughs> Sad. I know, I know you missed me a lot. I, I, can, I can hear it in your voice. It's okay, Derek. I'm back. I'm back, Derek. <laughs> Well, we're here to look at the Seattle Seahawks, and you know what? What you been doing, man? You've been uh, been keeping a low profile. Oh, uh, super busy, but never too busy to watch the beloved Rams, and uh, they need to get a big one here, man. They, it's I'm not gonna lie, man. It's not looking too good for the rest of the season, but it would help tremendously if they get this win this Sunday. They need it. They need it, and. The unfortunate thing for me, feeling you know, just kind of the feelings aspect, not facts. This is just feelings. The last time I felt this way was the Baltimore game, where I thought they would show up, they'd be all in for that game, and they weren't. They were not remotely in for it. They were outmatched at home on in front of a national audience, and here we go again. They're going to be at home from a national audience, and uh, man, alive! It does not in any way feel promising. But it's a familiar foe, familiar offense, familiar players, and that counts for something. At least I think it does. What do you think? No, you're absolutely correct. I mean, this these two teams know each other very, very well, play each other twice a year, and this is going to be their second meeting this year. This the first meeting this year they didn't they didn't do that bad. In fact, they should have won the game had it not been for. A Greg Zerloin missed field goal, but that's in the past. Now, moving forward, I think that it, it's going to be a good matchup. It's going to be a little bit different from the Ravens, though. First off, I, I'm just going to sit here and say it. The Ravens are the much better team uh, than the Seattle Seahawks. Both teams, uh, whether it be the Seahawks or the Rams, I feel like the Ravens are the better team. And it shows. Two completely different opponents, and I think this time around, uh, you know, I think you can expect both Pete Carroll and uh, Sean McVay, you know, really trying to play to their strengths. These two teams always playing each other the toughest they could possibly do. So it, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be anything like that Monday night game. The Sunday night game that's coming up, it's going to be a doozy, and and I think the rest of the league is going to re- be treated to a really good show here. I hope so, and I think I think Rams fans coming out pretty much deserve it after the last outing. I'm sure the team is locking in. They seem a lot more confident, at least from my point of view, coming out of the Cardinals game. And I know, I know, I keep hearing Cardinals, 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 and I keep saying it. They weren't a bad team, bad defense maybe, but still an NFL defense and defense that had to be beaten with Patrick Peterson out there. So I, I look at it and go, I'm cautiously, somewhat, maybe sort of optimistic. They're going to play a better game, but Seattle's good. And they're doing a lot of things that they used to do back when they dominated this division. And so it's it's going to be really difficult for the Rams to pull this one off. I'm not saying they won't do it. I'm not going to go in that corner. I'm not going to make a prediction. This week. I just keep messing these predictions up, man. I'm like, I'm like a curse. I predicted a win for Baltimore. <laughs> that didn't happen. So uh, I don't even know even where to go with that, man. But we'll come back to our three keys a little bit later on. 
We do want to let you know this episode is sponsored by Jim Hawkins and his book, Hollywood's Team. want to remind you also that wherever anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Music, iHeartRadio. We saw that contest going now. 200 five-star reviews equals a winner for a Rams personalized jersey over at NFLShop.com. That's how it works. Just go over to Apple Music, leave that five-star review, send an email with a screenshot of your review so we know who you are. And then we'll also read your feedback on the show. Okay? You're entered then. Also for the other shows, including Rams Uncensored, Johnny's Butting Heads, Rampage Radio comes and goes. So there you go. There's our full lineup for you. Okay, without further ado, let's go ahead and knock this one out. Michael Dugar from The Athletic Seattle sat with me and just talked with me a little bit about this Seahawks. He had a little bit of a different perspective than Corbin, who usually comes on the show. And that's why we want him on. He also hosts the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. He does a great job. Interesting fellow. Why don't you check him out? All right, folks. I am here with the Athletic Seattle's and Seahawks Man to Man podcast, Michael Sean Dugar. Michael, welcome to the show. And I get the sense covering this team this year has been pretty fun. Uh, yeah, no, everyone asks me how work's going. I'm like, well, the team's winning, people are reading, life is good. You know, so that's, that's really what, what matters in, in, in this business, you know. You need the team you cover to win, which, which they are, and you need people to care, and, uh, people do. Got an MVP candidate, uh, you know, you got a, you got a team that's always exciting when they're on prime time, which is huge, you know, when you're part, in this part of the country, you know, people don't really care about your games, and they kick off four o'clock. Uh, Eastern, but they would—they do care when they—they're in prime time, and the Seahawks are uh, undefeated uh, in prime time this year. So uh, that's—it's definitely been fun. And meanwhile, the opponent this weekend, the Rams, almost always seem to tend to struggle in prime time for some weird reason. So you know, little knock on wood, I guess, on this end. Overall, though, I want to kind of back up and try to understand where the Seahawks have come from. Two years ago, the Rams go to Seattle; they demolish the Seahawks, and we think we're seeing this changing the guard. Last year, the Rams beat them twice, close games, Rams won the division, they go to the Super Bowl, and in the process, we see, though, a change in philosophy in Seattle. They had been getting away with some bad offensive lines, and they moved to rush in the football, and then this year, they take the next step at 10-2, and have some more playmakers, and the defense has been, well, it's been good, still run the football. What's been the overall progression and I guess change in how this team reloaded from 2017 to now. Well, in 2017, they actually beat the Rams in October in their first meeting. Um, I think that was their first ever game against Sean McVay. At the, at the time, the Rams were the highest scoring offense in the league, I believe about 30 points a pot. That was in like week six or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, held them to 10 points. Uh, that same defense, uh, so they were missing in the rematch in December. I don't think they had Richard Sherman, and I don't think they had Cam Chancellor, and they had Bobby Wagner playing on a bad hammy, and then you got smoked in the, the biggest, the worst loss I've ever seen from a Pete Carroll team. I think it was 42-7 to in Seattle, too. It was terrible. Uh, I, I think the, the changes they've made, obviously they've gotten rid of some guys, but they didn't really want to get rid of Cam. You know, he, just, he was out. Uh, Cliff Averill had to retire after that year. It was just a a weird year overall, but the big thing that Pete Carroll looked at was, A, his team had too many penalties. I think Jermaine Defetti led the league in penalties that year, and I think Michael Bennett was somewhere in the top five. Um, the big thing was the penalties, and they couldn't run the ball that year in 2017. Russ led the team in rushing, 
forget with how many yards, I think like 400 or something like that. And that's really what you could tell when Pete Carroll was like, guys have to go. Now, maybe he's got rid of defensive coordinator Chris Richard uh, after that season for similar reasons, but I'm not entirely sure. Chris ended up turning around the Dallas defense and uh, was like a head coaching candidate for some stuff last offseason. So that one was weird. Uh, but the offense needed to change uh, as much as anything. You know, he needed Russell to be better. He needed to be able to run the ball. Uh, and he just needed to be able to compete, you know, with the new hotness in the Rams. But that wasn't going to be by, like, recreating Legion of Boom. He realized it was going to be, you know, going back to who he is. And that's running the football, limiting the amount of possessions there are in a game, and, you know, not beating yourself, which is why I mentioned the penalties uh, there. And I think, fast forward, you go to the game against the Minnesota Vikings this uh, Monday night, and that was really, like, quintessential Pete Carroll football, what he wants to play. Yeah, the defense is playing well. I think they had, a, they had three turnovers, or maybe two turnovers on D, and then one on special teams on Monday night, which is what they won as well. But really, a Pete Carroll team is at its scariest when it's running the rock really well and playing really, you know, really good defense. And actually, excuse me, great defense. And kind of that as they enter this matchup with the Rams, a team that's given them trouble since 2017, uh, that's what they're going to try to do. And if they do that, the game won't be close. So you're of the opinion now with this game, it won't be close if the Seahawks just execute right at this point. That's, that's where the separation really has become between the Rams and Seahawks. It's, it's not even just executing. I mean, if every team executes, they win games, right? I mean, the Jets, the Jets, uh, and the Jets just blow the doors off the Raiders, right, and then get their doors blown off by someone terrible. Like, if you don't execute, you're going to lose no matter who you are. Uh, just look at the Patriots too. On, on, I think that was Sunday night. The thing is, is Pete Carroll. I think through nine weeks, if anybody who watched the Seahawks, even if you're watching from afar up close, you recognize that this wasn't a Pete Carroll team. It was. It, it looked like the 2018 Chiefs, to be honest. Russ was throwing it all over the place, uh, leading the league in touchdowns, which he still does, but in, for the most part because he went crazy in the first nine weeks. He was throwing it all over the place. The defense was getting torched by Matt Schaub, Andy Dalton, and Jameis Winston, right? and Jared Goff while he was stinking. Uh, it was getting torched in terms of passing yards, and they had no pass rush. You know, that was the first nine weeks of the season, if that sounds familiar. Yeah, it, it sounds a lot. And they were one of the best scoring offenses in the league. Boom. Sound like the Chiefs last year with the MVP candidate and Patrick Mahomes. Pete doesn't want to do that. As fun as that is to watch, he hates that. He would rather be leading the league in rushing uh, and, you know, harassing passers and then, you know, his secondary not, you know, getting getting destroyed uh, like that. So I, I think it's not just that the Seahawks have to execute. They have to execute what Pete really wants because that's what the team's built for. The team's not built. Uh, you mentioned they've had bad offensive lines. Their offensive line is still bad at pass detecting, but it can run block like nobody's business. Right? So if when the, when a Pete Carroll team is executing, you know the the principles of his uh, you know winning philosophy, then they're dangerous. They're getting in shootouts, so the refs have to just huck it. No, they're not that dangerous. I don't care, you know how good Russ is. When you said in terms of if they do what they want to do, they're gonna it's gonna be a blowout. I, I'm turned to thinking. I'm thinking, well, if, like you said, every team executes, they're going to win, right? The team that executes mm-hmm. better, for example. So that takes you down to talent. W- what do you see in the Seahawks right now compared to the Rams that has you so convinced that the Seahawks does what they want to do? It's not just going to be a win, it's going to be a blow-up. Um, well, the thing is, so if the Seahawks run it down the Rams' throat, right, and, and have a... Um, 
and take away the deep ball, which is what mm-hmm. the secondary has been able to do lately, with the exception of a gaffe on Monday night where they had a miscommunication. It limits the possessions, right? So it limits the chance that, you know, Jared Goff lights you up. And if you're taking away the deep ball, that limits the chances that, you know, Goff stretches you with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Well, then you're just looking at, uh, you know, what can what can you do to stop Gurley, which the Seahawks have already been doing against every running back. Uh, so when they execute and limit the possessions and take away the deep ball and basically playing great deeds, it leads to turnovers. And that's and you've seen, like, Jared Goff, he's one of those dudes, he's got that Eli Manning in him. When the game is getting ugly and the turnovers happening, he's just seeing ghosts. Uh, actually, maybe that's a Sam Darnold comparison. Uh, so I think that uh, that's been way different than the games that they played against the Rams in the past. They've been, I think they've needed 30 points in every game against the Rams since 2018. 18. Yeah, at win or lose, they've needed to score like 30 just to even keep it keep it close. Like that's if that happens via the run like it happened on Monday night then Pete's like, mm-hmm. "All right, whatever." But they would he would much rather a grind it out uh type of game where they're running for 200, maybe Russell only has to throw for 200 and then they turn Goff over because the O-line's shaky and he seems like a guy, actually I don't so say seem, he is like a guy that if you beat him up and he gets to the point where he's not trusting his old line, then it looks a lot like his two games against the Bears in the past couple of years or his game against Philly last year where he's just, you know, even against Pittsburgh this year, uh, just he just looks too, looks too rattled. That, if that's the execution, that will ha- if that Seattle does that, excuse me, then the Rams, will, it, it won't be that close because of, you know, how this team is built, built around play action and golf being all comfy and trusting his line. Well, if his lines get beat up, and they don't have that many possessions because the Seahawks are running it down their throat, uh, then, yeah, this this one favors the Seahawks. How do you feel about the Seahawks' pass rush right now? Where is it the strongest, where is it the weakest? Oh, man, I had a lot more faith uh, before Jadavian Clowney had that hip injury, you know, because he's really the piece that makes it all go. You know, mm-hmm. like you saw against the Niners, he just, when he's on, he just can wreck a game. You know, it doesn't even really matter. If he gets to the quarterback that often, he just gets pressure. He's around the ball a lot, you know, gets a lot of quarterback hits. When you're doing that, you know, it's special. But, you know, you look at the Vikings game, he just wasn't the same. You know, he's going to have to just tough through that that, that sports hernia that he uh, reportedly has because, you know, other, the other option is surgery. And you know, he missed the whole season if he got that. And they need him right now because without a pass rush, they will stay can struggle against any team. I don't care how good secondary is. When you don't have a pass rush, and if it's not being led by J.D., then it can it can be a problem. Now I know against the Eagles they tore up uh, Carson Wentz, but they were having you know, the Eagles. I think were starting the rookie left tackle at right tackle. You know that was that was a mess. That dude was getting torched. Uh, so with that going down the stretch, if they don't get to Jared Goff, if they can't get to Kyle Allen next week, if they can't get to Kyle Murray after that, and then obviously Jimmy G to finish the season, uh, they won't have a pass rush. You know it does. Even if they were able to have one without uh, JD against Philly. It's gonna require it's gonna require like Herculean efforts from other guys to kind of duplicate that against some of these teams. Now the Rams against the pass rush, their big problems in pass protection have been on the edges. Teams are getting them there. Uh, with Whitworth, who's been playing better as the years gone on, he's been a little slower overall. Haven't signed. He may play this week. He's been slow. Bobby Evans got burned last week. So what teams have been doing is they've been folding the Rams. Offensive line back, almost like a taco. You're full of taco, or like to use Pat Man, <laughs> Pac Man eating a pellet, and Jared Goff's the pellet, right? So 
that's why I'm asking about the edge rush because the, the edge rush to me is one of the keys to the game for the Seahawks and the Rams, quite frankly. If the Rams can can control the edge a bit more, then Goff's going to have time. If not, then, you know, it's scary. You know, Kalani coming in there, the Seahawks always find creative ways to rush the passer. And if you're a Rams fan watching this, you're thinking home game, Sunday night football, your season's on the line. They have to win out at this point. They almost have to win out. The odds are much better in their favor if they do. And that edge rush, though, is what's going to be what nails them. The edge rush, it stops pretty much everything for the Rams. They can't run the ball or pass the ball when they're when they're coming off the edges. So who else can help the Seahawks there if if Klein's not not playing himself? You know, um, that's a good question. Seahawks have a first round pick in LJ Collier who should. Uh, be in the mix, especially because uh, Ziggy Ansah is uh, probably going to be out uh, with the arm injury or shoulder injury, whatever they're calling it. Uh, so he'll be called upon. Uh, but I mean, they've been they've been getting production out of uh, Rasheem Green, a second year guy at a USC. Uh, who else have been getting production out of? You know, Jaron Reed, one of the defensive tackles, who had ten and a half sacks last year. You know, he's been really productive. Uh, Quentin Jefferson, who plays defensive tackle and defensive end, kind of in that Michael Bennett role that he was in for five years here. He's been really productive. Uh, they actually added Shaquem Griffin into the mix. That's a familiar name. That's a draft mm-hmm. darling in 2018. First, I think first player ever with uh, uh, with one hand uh, to be drafted. Uh, he's he's only like 220. Uh, but, man, he's fast. I mean, you got to be when you're pass rushing at 220, right, against like 300-pound tackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he's been giving them uh, a little bit of a boost uh, here. You know, so they, they have guys. They do. It's just a matter of whose who's game is it going to be because you can't really guarantee like Quentin Jefferson dominates or Brandon Jackson dominates or Shaquem Griffin dominates or Rasheem Green or who, whoever. You can't guarantee it. That's what made Clowney so important because you can kind of guarantee he's going to have an impact. Not necessarily sacks all the time, but you can guarantee he's going to matter uh, up front. And when that's the case, it just makes everything kind of easier for other guys. So the fact that he's out there uh, will help because at the end of the day, even a, a half-speed Jadavion Clowney can get to any quarterback. Uh, so I would, I would look for him to be really impactful uh, Sunday night and uh, possibly even uh, Rasheem Green. Uh, guy, I think he's from L.A. too. From L.A. went to USC. Uh, well, I think he should have an impact too. No, homecoming, homecoming game. and Those kind of games are oftentimes the, the most dangerous for, uh, for teams on the opposing side. Flip into your offense here. The Seahawks run the ball well. They run well last year. You've got more weapons receiving-wise. DK Metcalf over there making some great plays. What scares you, though? Maybe scares me the right word. What concerns you about the Rams' defense with these guys? Uh, well, they have one of the best corners in the league, if not the best one. You know, and, J- and Jalen Ramsey, like, he's, he's the type of guy who, uh, you know, he'll shut down a DK Metcalf. He will, you know, just because he is special. And Russell Wilson's not no dummy. You know, he's not just going to try Jalen a bunch, whether it's Tyler Lockett over there, whether it's, uh, he might try him with Josh Gordon, uh, but you know, for the most part, I, I'd be I'd be wary throwing it at Jalen. I, I just would. You know, Russ has had trouble with him in the past. I think they only met once in 2017 down in Jacksonville. Uh, but I mean, hey, uh, Jalen picked him off there too. So you know, he's got to be careful there. So that that's why I mentioned the run game. They're not even going to want to to huck it too much uh, at Jalen. I mean, obviously Rams have other talented defensive players too. They have to worry about Aaron Donald. I guess it's insulting. I didn't mention him first. Uh, but the Seahawks have been able to run it against the Rams 
for a while now. I think they were able to this earlier this year. They were they hit like 200 yards last year actually in the Coliseum. So I think that's that's why they're going to lean on that uh, so much because they in part because that's what they want to do and who they are. But you know the the, the other part of that is that throwing it even with a uh, MVP caliber dude like Russ, you just got to be careful. Tyler Lockett hasn't been himself for weeks. Uh, you know, he had the flu last week, a bad leg the other week. Uh, the Niners just shut him down, you know, a few weeks before that. So uh, they need Tyler to, to get it together because this team isn't going to be you no know, Super Bowl contender without Tyler Lockett being a number one receiver. It can't just be a guy. You know, he didn't catch a ball on Monday night. They still scored 37 points, but that's not going to happen every week. Hell, that might never happen again, <laughs> uh, to be honest, because that's how important Tyler is to this team. So, you know, you have to, I'm a little concerned. That's the word you use. I'll use it too about how Tyler Lockett and, you know, DK Metcalf will fare against that, that Rams secondary when called upon. Cause I know they didn't look great, uh, against the Ra- the Ravens, you know, Monday night a few weeks ago, but they ain't gonna look like that against the Seahawks. You can, you heard it here first. I can guarantee that they ain't gonna look, you know, that rough. Like they're going to step up and play a good game on Sunday night. Now, just to, to zero in that running game, the Rams are improved though against the run. They were actually fourth in the league until Baltimore blew them up. Are you confident with the improvements made in the Rams' run defense that you'll be able to duplicate something similar to what Baltimore did? Well, no one can do what Baltimore did, right? Because whew, Lamar Jackson is special. That dude is so good, and that is just—it's almost unfair. You know, I got to watch him up close here in Seattle, and. The way he runs the ball is just so, like, ridiculous. I know people have, like, uh, very fair concerns long-term about whether he, you know, his style of play is sustainable. The answer is probably no. But, like, defensive coordinators can't worry about no sustainability. You know, <laughs> when they're game plan, they got to hit the guy and hope he goes down. And, you know, both of those things are, are hard to account for because he's so special. The, the Seahawks don't have that. They just have two really talented running backs and a good front line and a good, you know, run-blocking scheme. Uh, that really, you know, gets gets defenders on their heels and pushes them back. So when they're able uh, to do that, it doesn't really matter who the opponent is. Uh, to be honest, they were able to run it against the Philly front that was talented. They're able to run it against the Vikings front that was talented. I think the Vikings had only allowed well, a few rushing touchdowns all year, and the Seahawks hit them for two. You know, and the running backs combined for a buck seventy-five. Uh, Seahawks were able to run it on the Niners with uh, some pretty decent effectiveness. Uh, they were able to run it against uh, the Bucks uh, the week before that. That had, a, I think, the number one rushing defense in the league, and I think they still do. So uh, while the Rams may have be improved, uh, that's still going to be Seattle's number one go-to, and I believe they'll have some success running the ball as well. What advantages do the Rams have in this game against Seattle? Um, that's a good. Well, they've got the best player on the field. I think that's always that's always an important thing for me. Like, do you have the best player on the field? Uh, and I, I would say it's Russ right now. I, I would say so. It's tough because cause of Aaron Donald and just how much of a quarterback killer he is. Um, so I would say that's that's their advantage. And also, they're just, they're just better. You know, the records, the records are indicating it. I know they've had a few balls bounce their way, but, you know, the Rams have just – their quarterback is untrustworthy. And because his offensive line is untrustworthy. It's just Jared Goff is a guy who, when everything around him is right, the dude is. He's got a high ceiling, very high ceiling. But he also has a very, very low floor. Uh, and we've seen both throughout the course of his career. So uh, we've seen both with Sean McVay uh, as well. We've seen the low ceiling. We've seen what it looks like. His month in November was, was, uh, was Nathan Peterman-like. 
You know, that's not even really hyperbole. I don't think dude threw a touchdown. Uh, so because they have a dude with the floor like that who can get rattled when the things around him aren't right, and as you know, things aren't right, you know, his running back doesn't have – his knee ain't right, his O-line ain't right. Uh, so when everything around Jared Goff isn't perfect, you know, he can – he can kind of shut down. The, Ram- the Seahawks don't really have a quarterback like that. And because those two are the most important positions on the field, uh, I'd have to roll with the Seahawks in something close. Like, it's going to be close, uh, I think, just because of, you know, how well Sean McVay has been able to scheme against Pete Carroll's defense. But I, I definitely think the Seahawks should come out on top. I was just thinking, you know, how things have changed. You know, the Rams were 2017 were the rising team, and there were so many questions at the end of 2017 with Seahawks. You know, having to deal with, you know, with these guys who are getting a little older, they're getting paid a lot more. You got to clean up your salary cap a bit, and see how we're loaded right away. It didn't. Sometimes it takes team to come down to the bottom before it can reload and see how we're reloaded right away. They have drafts, which everybody else out there outside of Seattle thinks are questionable, and they're working for them. And a team that plays Pete Carroll's kind of ball. And looking at the Rams, and even now I look at their roster and I go. Skill position-wise, and let me stress the word skill position, I don't think there's a team more talented in the NFL, skill position-wise. But if you look at the two teams, where, where it really is at is in the trenches. This is, how you, this is how you win football games. And the big question for the Rams this year has been both their offensive and defensive lines. How long does Seattle, can Seattle do what they do? How deep can they go when your, when your front line defensively he's having a couple injuries there and then offensively the Seattle offensive line is you know, they have a hard time to pass how long can they sustain this how far can they go um I'm gonna go on a quick tangent real quick I think the term skill position is so weird and I don't think we should use it the way we do because it implies that the other positions don't require elite skills uh it's you know what I mean it's just so weird you know like all left tackles are super skilled right <laughs> you know that they, they they really yeah. are yeah, and I get you. I don't mean it that way. I'm talk- I'm thinking the traditional term is like, you know, wide receiver, running back, um, cornerback. Those, yeah, those guys who touch the ball, really. Guys like, who touch the ball, guys who, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. I've always thought that was kind of weird. I get what you mean. You, you didn't invent it. I know. I just, whenever I hear it, I kind of want to make that point. Get, get the word out. Like, hey, mm-hmm. let's stop acting like, you know, defensive tackles don't have skills. Um, well, sure. But, yeah, we're talking uh, about that I right now, right? Is, uh, yeah, I mean... And you go tell Aaron Donald he don't play a skill position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's, uh, you know, he might he might slap you in the face. So uh, I, w- I will say this, though. The Seahawks feel really confident about their skill guys, too. You know, with, with Rashad Penny and Chris Carson, if they're both clicking like they have been the past couple of weeks, then the Seahawks have, you know, maybe a top five rushing duo. Uh, you know, the Saints have a good one. The 49ers have a good one. Uh, I'm missing somebody else who has an obvious one, but... Uh, the Seahawks would have a, a, a top five one if those two are clicking, you know, really well. So there's that. Uh, DK Metcalf is one of the best offensive rookies of the season. You know, I, I obviously Josh Jacobs in Oakland is killing it right now. He's going to mm-hmm. run away with that award. But DK has been really good this year. Uh, uh, his, what's the other cat in uh, Tennessee? He's been really good too as well. And obviously Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. Uh, but DK is right there with some of the, you know, the best rookies offensively in the league. Uh, and then let's see what else we got. Tyler Lockett, uh, one of the best receivers in the league. I'd probably say like a top nine, uh, top ten cat. So that I would, I'm basically counting with the Seahawks are pretty confident uh, in their skill guys too, especially on offense. They lost their number one tight end and Will Disley, I think, in week six. 
And then they got they called some guy up to the practice squad, Jacob Hollister, who has like four touchdowns, like four four or five starts or something like that. Like he's he's been really impactful as well. So I would say even if the Rams have an advantage on D line, uh I would argue that the Seahawks still have an advantage on O line, uh, because of the way they can they can run block. And even in the secondary, as talented as someone like Jalen is, uh, you know, or even Weddle, the Seahawks have Quandre Diggs back there who's a fringe Pro Bowl-ish type of guy, and then Shaquille Griffin, who's been one of the top six corners uh, in the league this year, uh, and you know, as the number one spot. So it's it's almost a wash across the board from a talent perspective. I hear you that the Rams have some advantages as well, uh, but you know, the Seahawks don't think they're coming into this game, you know, underwhelmed or uh, overwhelmed. Excuse me, in terms of in terms of talent. So that's why I'm, ultimately that's why you com- combine that with two good head coaches who are good at scheming. I'm I'm predicting another another close one. I still like I said I still think the Seahawks should win because ultimately they're playing better football right now. Uh, but it should be it should be a good fight. When I'm talking about I'm I'm talking about overall in terms of okay quote unquote skill, position talent. I'm confident in the statement. I'm not in any way demeaning what Seattle's got. I mean Seattle, like you mentioned, has all this good good talent. But I'm still trying to get a little bit more in terms of the the inner workings of your front lines here. These guys that you know, you mentioned a couple of are hurt, and there's some issues in terms of pass blocking. Given, I'm just, I'm, let me clarify the question. Given how good they are in a lot of places, and also their weaknesses, how far do you believe, having covered this team now, do you believe that the Seattle team can go for the rest of the season? Um, I, 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 still, I still think this. The Seahawks can beat any team anywhere. That's that's true. It just it just is. Uh, they can also lose to any team, probably anywhere, because they just they play a style of football. Pete Carroll's football is, you know, he determines a good a successful coaching job in any given week by you know did your team have a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter? And that's that's not wrong. That's actually great, you know, because ultimately you have a chance to win because that's the goal. Right? The the I won't want to say the problem or the flaw there, but the other side of that coin is that if you have a chance to win in the fourth quarter, so does the other team, right? Mm-hmm. So they, that's why they play so many close games. Uh, you know, the Seahawks have played all but have had two, all but two games this year be one possession games at the end. Uh, even the game they were up seventeen points. You know, the Vikings on Monday night ended up being a one possession game just because you know if you have a chance in the fourth quarter, so do they. You know, and it's still the NFL. I don't care who you are. You know, any team can can compete with you on any given Sunday. We learned that in the Falcons game. Uh, you know, I think whatever week that was, they were up 24 points, I think, on the Falcons. Ended up being a one-score game. Shoot, this Seahawks team beat the Bengals by one. <laughs> you know, obviously that was week one. Uh, but I say all that to say they can beat anyone. And when you can beat anyone, and if you've got a home field, which they uh, should have at least in the first couple weeks of the playoffs, or at least the first week uh, right now, when you have that and you have a team that just can, they know how to kind of grind it out and win because they have their defensive captains on each side of the ball who have, or excuse me, their captains on each side of the ball who have seen everything. Bobby mm-hmm. has seen everything. Russ has seen everything. It doesn't matter if the rest of the dudes aren't necessarily holdovers from the Super Bowl teams. The guys who are leading them are, you know, and they're slowly coming into their own, you know, at the other position. So when you have those guys who have seen it all and everyone's feeding off them on both sides of the ball, and they never feel like they're out of a game, and they know that you know no game is really over even if they have a lead. So basically, they know how to finish. That team knows how to finish 
running the ball well, MVP caliber quarterback, uh, you know, a, a philosophy that's, you know, a winning, a winning culture. They should have a home game in the playoffs. They get a first-round bye. This team can go all the way to Miami. Uh, now what, when you get there, it's just a crapshoot, right? It's just a coin flip. But because they have that going for them, they can get there. To say that they couldn't would just be ignorant. Will they? I mean, you know, like I said, one possession games, you know, all it takes is one ball to bounce the wrong way. Shoot, they would have lost to the rim. Ball just moves over mm-hmm. uh, a few yards, right? So, I mean, they would have lost to the Niners, too, and the same thing. Ball just moves the other way. So you still need a little bit of luck, but every championship team does. So I guess the short yeah, answer to yeah. the question is, yeah, I think they can go all the way uh, to Miami. And it's interesting you say that because, you know, the Rams last year had a ton of close games and, and won almost all of them. And then this year, a lot of those close games didn't go so well for them. And, of course, you know, the blowout. So all that in mind, I'm looking forward to a great game on Sunday night. It's, it's uh, The Rams will be in playoff mode. And then the Seahawks are there as well. So another great, another great day in the rivalry. Can you tell people, Mike, where they can find you on social media, including... Facebook, if you have a place there, um, Twitter, Athletic. Tell us all about it. Uh, anyone can follow me on Twitter at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. And uh, that's also where I always pin my Seahawks podcast at the top of my profile. It's called the Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast. Uh, that's man with the number two. Uh, you can uh, find it on the Athletic as well. If you're a subscriber, it's, it's there every week. Uh, twice a week, actually, and then we always release one uh, right after games that goes on iTunes, Spotify, I don't know, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast, it's probably there, right? So I just wanted to plug those two things. And thank you uh, for having me on, and hope everyone enjoys the game on Sunday night. All right. Well, again, thanks so much, and and I'm guessing we'll we'll be speaking again at some point. These guys play twice a year. We do a tour around the league, and hopefully we'll get another chance to talk. Oh, yeah, anytime. All right, so Johnny Michael feels like this game could wind up being a blowout for the Seahawks. They just to him they're the better team. They have all the advantages if they execute and do everything right. I told you I'm staying away from the prediction game this time around because I just keep getting my butt kicked this year. How do you feel about it? You know, I, I'm not going to lie. The Seahawks have a lot of promising players on the team and there's clear advantages here and there but that's not to say that the rams don't have players also that's not to say that the rams don't have advantages also and i think the over glaring need there is that you he kind of overlooked the fact that the rams should have won in seattle now i'm not going to sit here and say that you know, it's pretty much a W. Hey, an L is an L at the end of the day. It sucks, but it is the way it is. That doesn't take away the fact that the Rams were were close enough to win that game in Seattle. That's the key there. In Seattle. One of the toughest play places to play in. And I know that there's a lot of changes that's happened since then. There's been some key um, some key personnel that's no longer with the Rams, unfortunately, due to injury due to trades, so on and so forth. But I think, in a way, it's also helped the Rams, too. The offensive line situation, for example, I think uh, I think that's definitely one of the factors here 
And one of the reasons why the Rams offensive, um, you know, awakening has happened in recent weeks. Now, as far as am I going to do a prediction? Well, I did one on butting heads, so why not? So for me, I'm going to say the Rams pull pull away with the victory here. You know, it's not going to be an easy one, and it's not going to be um, – I'm not going to sit here and say that the Rams are going to dominate this game as much as I'd love to say that. It's not very probable. In the end, I feel like the way how this team has kind of come together, how it's starting to gel, how the chemistry is starting to set in, I feel like the Rams walk away with this with a 27-20 to 20 victory. Book it. The only thing I want to say about that, though, is it's only been one game since the Baltimore game. And we all know what they look like in the Baltimore game. I just want to point that out. Yes. You know, and so it's, it's a limited. <laughs> to tell you the truth, though, I'm not... Um, I'm not going in on the good feeling of the victory in Arizona. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not going in with that victory in mind. Yes, Arizona, that was a great victory. Uh, whether it be Arizona or not, th- it was. It was a good victory. Uh, but I'm not factoring this, that into the decision. I'm not even factoring the Ravens into the decision because the Ravens, like I said, are a far superior team than either one of these teams, in my opinion. That yeah, including Seattle. I, I'm sorry, but Seattle they have they have you know um, their moments where they look like they're a very very elite dominant team, but they've also had moments where it's like, how is this team doing as well as it is doing? You know, they are not a flawless team by any stretch of the means, and like I said, evidence of that is when the Rams almost beat them. <laughs> That's true. Just I mean, Seattle's up. been unsafe throughout the course of the year. But on the same token, I just want to throw this out there. They have a they have a way of getting better throughout a season. And that's a little unnerving. The game in Minnesota against Minnesota on Monday night, they're a good football team. And Minnesota's a good football team. And to just kind of rustle that game away from Minnesota, pull away at the end, they show me a lot. They can win this game with offense. Their defense is solid. I guess, as we get into the matchups, so there are some concerns that I have some big matchups. I'm, I'm, not, I'm wondering if they're the same. Matter of fact, let's even go there now. What are your three key matchups right now for this game? Hmm. So if we're going to if we're gonna do this, I'm going to kind of do this in a more broad sense because uh, the if we're going to do specifically players, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of point out a few when I do my broader explanation here and the reason for this is because it's hard to highlight the key matchups here in just three of them so for example i think the key to winning this game is gonna be whether or not sean mcveigh goes out there and has a balanced offense meaning we can't have jared goff throwing 50 passes a game if they if goff eclipses 50 passes i think you and i can both agree that the rams aren't escaping with the win here and that goes back to you know giving feeding Gurley more you know he can't have just 10 carries a game you can't expect any running back to get into a rhythm there so 
one key matchup for me is Todd Gurley versus the Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks rush defense, which isn't bad, um, isn't. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a top five rushing defense. Uh, in fact, I would say it's within the top ten for sure. I think the last time I researched it was number eight in the league. But um, that's going to be a key matchup if Todd Gurley can find a way to establish a rhythm. You know, getting being Todd Gurley, in other words. I think that's going to carry the team along the way. And not just on the ground game either. I think Jared Goff needs to find that connection with his running back without making poor decisions. Uh, which brings me to my second matchup here. Is Jared Goff making smart decisions? So Jared Goff against the secondary. Uh, for the most part, the... Seahawks secondary isn't as threatening as it used to be. I mean, it's not even close. But that being said, Jared Goff has not made the best decisions at any point in this season. There's been so many there's been so many mistakes that he's made that just make you scratch your head like what the hell is he thinking? You know, kind of thing. And the way he played in Arizona, it was pretty much flawless. I I have never seen him play that well all season long. It was the best game, no no doubt about it. And one of the reasons why that was so is, well, you know, this, the Cardinals' secondary sucks. But um, it, aside from that, he was also making great decisions. And that's what needs to happen in this game. So Goff versus the secondary is another key matchup here. My last matchup I'm going to highlight is the defensive front establishing pressure against Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is having one of the best seasons, if not the best seasons of his career, you know, and and evidence of it is him being one of the top candidates for MVP. It's well worth, uh, it's well worth mentioning it because there were times in, in the last matchup against Seattle where the Rams' defense seemed like they, they had him under control, only for him to break out in certain points, not even like having like a wonderful game, but making the plays when they counted. And um, that's, that's something that the Rams' defense, especially the defensive front, is going to have to do. They, they're going to have to make him... Um, pass the ball they're gonna have to make him you know think on his feet which can be dangerous admittedly but there there were times when he was running um you know scrambling and just wasn't getting anywhere against the rams defense in the first matchup so that was something that the rams defense didn't do in baltimore in fact they they didn't do anything in baltimore in terms of uh, defense, uh, it was an embarrassing, probably the worst game of all season uh, against Baltimore. You know, there was no pressure at all. Um, and if that happens in, uh, if that happens against Seattle, there's no doubt about it that it's going to be a long game. The difference here, though, is I think that the defense did take responsibility for what happened in Baltimore, or, well, in, in Los At Angeles home, yeah. against Baltimore, I should say. Yeah. 
they did take responsibility for it. And I don't know if we'll see that repeat performance again. I think that this team is is star-studded, has these, uh, you know, really strong, talented individuals like Aaron Donald, like Jalen Ramsey. I highly doubt we will see a repeat of that again. So those are my matchups. Uh, Derek, am I spot on or, or am I way off here? I think there's a couple of things you missed, but that's where I come in. I get my three keys. Um I want to, you know, you'd mentioned the, you know, Russell Wilson versus that the front line. I'm going to clarify that myself and say, listen, I think it's, it's just trench warfare in their period because Seattle's run the ball well, very well. And we saw what Baltimore did run the football very well. And one of the kind of annoying criticisms I've seen this year when it comes to the Rams is yes, they've looked good for most of the year against stopping the run. They were only allowing 3.7 yards to carry. At one point, they were fourth in the league defending the run. They're now down to 13. They were down to 16 after the Baltimore game. They dropped that much from one game. And they, I mean, it was like 89 yards or something like that, right? 89 yards to down to about 106. They're now up to uh, 104.2 yards a game at 3.7 to carry. 3.7 to carry is pretty good. But the teams they've stopped have been teams that aren't running the ball well anyway, anyways. Teams like, well, the Steelers, for example. The Cardinals have been running the ball well. And now and this is another test. And Seattle is going to push. They're going to push hard. And them running right at Aaron Donald. Will the Rams have a solution for that? Because they didn't have one for that against the Ravens. They have to have one now. It's not going to be the same offense, though. And can they not just pressure Russell Wilson, but not let him get outside. Keep him in at least as close to the pocket as much as possible. Don't let him get past that edge. If they can do that, and that's always a big gift when it comes to Russell Wilson. They've had a lot of success with him, but in the last time out, Wilson was on fire. Had a great game against the Rams. So that it's a, that trench warfare, and then flip it around. The other side, defensive line is offensive line. The Rams need to protect Jared Goff. Some positives here for them. I'm not for for Clowney over there. He's hurt, has a core injury. He's not. He hasn't been as effective of late. CL needs his explosiveness, and is probably not going to get that this game. And then also on the other side, you have the rest of that pass rush. They've had a very good pass rush throughout the year. The CL pass rush has been. Can Goff? Can Jared Goff stand in? Under pressure. Can he? That's the big question. And he did in Arizona. People, when you go back and look at the film, it wasn't like Jared Goff did not get pressure all day. He was pressured. He was forced to move. And, of course, Sean McVay moved him out of the pocket as well. Can you avoid the pressure? Can you keep the blocking? Can you create holes? Second part of that question. All my keys, in case you're in those, all of my keys today are trenches. It's trench warfare to me. The rushing. Todd Gurley has to run the football early. He has to be effective. And honestly, the Rams really need to get Malcolm Brown and um, Dale Harrison involved in the game, too. Get them all involved. The Rams have not been working the screen game to the running backs well all year. You had one last week to Todd Gurley. That used to be a core part of your offense. Spread them out. Force these guys to run. Be the offense you were. Doesn't have to be the same. Doesn't have to be eleven personnel. There's a million different ways to get a screen out there. Get these running backs involved and open that field up, and uh, things will change a little bit in terms of what you can do against Seattle. Seattle 
is giving up 24.4 points a game. Their rush is at 4.6 allow per game. But the fact they're eighth, I think it's because they've been ahead a lot. And if teams run against them, they're running late. I just look at this team overall, Seattle, and they're a good football team. They've had some luck this year. You can go back to the Rams season last year and think, well, they had a lot of luck. And that reminds me of the Seahawks this year. They've had a lot of luck this year. A ton of luck this year. But they're beatable. They're beatable. Are they the better team? What do you think, Johnny? Are they the better team? Record test, so. If we're going by record, then yeah, they're clearly the better team. But if we're going by what happened on the field, I have a question mark there. Just, I mean, just it is be- weeks later, though, Johnny. This is That's- true. This is true. But at the same time, that could also work in our favor as well. It's like I, I mentioned a little bit uh, about the offensive line improving. One of the reasons why they've improved is because of the excellent play from the rookies. You know, they're getting better every week, every time they get experience. Uh, they're not perfect, obviously. You know, guys like uh, David Edwards, you know, needs to improve, especially on the, the penalties that happened last week. That can't happen, you know. That that that's an easy way to kill drives. I, I mean, it was against the Cardinals, so it didn't affect them that much. But against the the Seahawks, that could come back and bite bite them big time. So, um, while they're not perfect, I feel like it's an upgrade in some areas, particularly with the Rob Havenstein. I'm hoping that he's not well enough to come back to play. But honestly. He, I don't, I don't know what happened with Havenstein. I, I really don't. This is a guy that was a really solid for us last season, but he just fell off the map. Like I, I, I really don't understand. And this year, he's been more of a liability than an asset. Am I? I don't know. Am I? Am I being too uh, too harsh there? Am I being too cruel there? I don't think I am. It depends, and we won't really probably know until later. I have some suspicions that Havenstein's been, been hurt this year, and we didn't know much about it. The main, the main problem with him is he's coming off slow. Caught the line slow with the, with the front foot, his stepping foot, and I'm, I've been really wondering if that's the case, that he's been hurt, and that's causing a problem. If not, then maybe one of their guards loses next year is putting him a guard and leave an Evans outside on the right-hand side. Maybe. Oof, I don't, I don't know about him being a guard, but uh, I, I'm hoping it's what you what you're saying though is that he ends he was you know hurt. It wouldn't be that big of a you know wouldn't be that big of a surprise if if he did end up being hurt. But if that's the case, he should sit out for the rest of the season. You know, let the rookies develop. You know this. The way the that Les Snead has been drafting, that's essentially what they want. They want these rookies to essentially be the, our future. And if that's the case, what better way than learning on the job, right? Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a interesting test for them. But in a way, I think they're ready for it. I really do. I think that overall, they've come into... A really, really good role here, and hopefully that uh, they'll be able to protect Goff, be able to create some holes for Gurley, 
And if they do so, I don't I don't see any problem with the Rams winning this game, uh, especially from the offensive effort. Wow, man, you are super confident. <laughs> you are you got this. I'm gonna be a little more skeptical, but let's hope it goes that way. Folks, it is time for us to go. We do want to give a shout out to our sponsors over at MyBookie. Check them out. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you can t- choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and get in the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try Parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game. Best of all, if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you were to deposit $2,000, you can get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. If you're looking a little low stakes, put $100, they'll give you $50. You'll be good to go with some free money. Just use the promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to activate this offer. Once again, that's promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, entering the offseason here pretty soon, hopefully not too soon, and we're we'll looking for new sponsors for the 2020 season, 2024 calendar year. If you are interested, give us an email. Send us an email over at ransom1945 at gmail.com. Also, you can leave a voicemail at 657-665-453. That's also included if you want to leave a message for the podcast. If you want to uh, ask one of the hosts a question for any one of the shows, let us know. Send again, 657-665-453, name what your question is, and for what show you want to answer for. All right. It is time to say goodbye. Johnny, final thoughts? Final thoughts is look for a W in this game. I, I'm really confident in this game. Not going to say a blowout. Look for a W. I'm going to be real about this. This is my closing thought, and that is the Rams have to perform well. They need to make this game the very least exciting, but to me, they really need to win this game. Not not for the playoffs, not for, and that's the end goal, right? That's the big part of this. This is their playoffs hunt now. This is how they're going to make it in. But they have not played well at home this year. And you're moving to a new place next year, and people are already coming out. You know, some of these media folks are already saying, well, there's only 45,000 PSLs sold. And they're thinking, well, that means there's about 25, 26 single season, single tickets are left, and that's actually pretty good for, I think, right now with a year to go. But, you know, the narrative is a narrative. And we know what happened in the Baltimore game where fans are leaving in the third quarter. Because, not because of their bad fans, because they couldn't stand to watch anymore. They couldn't stand to watch their team beat up like that. And the Rams didn't come out there and show up for their fans. They want to make that impact out there uh, for the playoffs, of course. That's part of your whole goal for a season. But if you want these fans to be behind you in the future, to be supportive of you in the future, you can't have a Baltimore game happen again. You gotta go out there and go for it. You gotta go out there and try and win this thing. You are in the playoffs now. This isn't four games from now, it's now. You need to show it because if you want to make an impact in LA, it's more than just winning. It's about winning with, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Johnny? With, um, with style, with, 
grit with no quit. That's a big one. You don't make it out in California law industries unless you, if you're a quitter. So let's just, let's just say that. Okay. You need to go in there and play, dare I say, balls to the wall. You got to play your hardest football, your best football. This is what this is what this needs to be. This is Seattle. This is your division rival. You can't come out there and play passive. You can, if you think the fans haven't been supporting you thus far, you botched this season up. Just wait. Just wait. That's all my. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about it. Just wait. What happens? Am I wrong, Johnny? Don't, don't make me eat Taco Bell. But am I, am I wrong? You're not wrong, but. I, I bring this up because uh, I, I have a bet with the, the good friend of mine that if I if the Rams don't even make the playoffs, that I have to buy him Taco Bell and I have to eat it too. Don't make me eat Taco Bell. That's that's like a nightmare for me. Alright. And you're talking to a guy who likes Taco Bell. <sighs> I'll tell you. Alright. You're dead. Hey, 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 what can I say, man? I'm, I don't live out there. and I'm out, When I'm out there, I enjoy a good Del Taco and other great area restaurants. But, oh, my God. You're, you're hey, dead to me. Listen, next time I'm out there, take me some better places. I'm serious. I'm open to it. Uh, oh, dude, uh, I, I could take you to a hole in the wall, and it'll already <laughs> be an improvement. Already. Right. Just just by being there. Not, not even eating the food, just being there. All right. All right, and I, I believe you. I believe you. All right, folks, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook, Facebook.com. Sorry, at, Ram, at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. Jeez, I'm twisting my words all up. You can find me on Twitter, Derek C. Paul, at DC Paula, and Johnny at Johnny5Not6. That's when he decides he wants to tweet. I think he's usually hiding and lurking. Don't forget to Apple Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all those places. And for joining the entire Rams Talk staff, this is Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy. We'll see you Sunday night. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwanns.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm. Good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.